This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello. This is your host, James Kent, and welcome to the podcast. Today, we are talking about the cloud. More specifically, what are the key considerations for deploying a hybrid or multi-cloud for public sector organizations? To help me break this topic down, I have Justin Siasio here. Justin is Director of Sales at Vion Corporation, where he and his team help organizations with a wide range of multi-cloud solutions. Welcome, Justin. Thanks for having me, James. Excited to be here. Justin, with your focus on... Fortune 500 companies and state and local and education clients, what are you seeing as the major strategic shifts these companies are employing in terms of utilizing the cloud? Well, you know, some of the most um, critical shifts that we're seeing is customers are becoming ever increasingly comfortable with, you know, embracing a multi-cloud strategy and really figuring out, you know, which one of their specific applications will work in in each specific cloud. So it's it's quite interesting, right? You have some commercial Fortune 500 customers that are interested in taking advantage of some of the um, time to market benefits that you get out of operating in a public cloud. But then they're also stuck with some, you know, possible latency issues about, you know, where their applications or where their data actually resides. And so they end up having to, you know, cross both boundaries and end up with private cloud environment and a public cloud environment. And it's, uh, you know, it can be quite complicated for them. And it's an exciting time, you know, to be able to address and orchestrate and design these solutions for our customers. And then you look at, you know, the public sector side of the business that I manage, and that's typically, you know, large state entities, they're quite interesting, right? Because they have a uh, an interesting paradigm to uh, accomplish. So there's some business side issues uh, that they deal with, which is like, how do you actually contract for cloud services? How do you appropriate funding for cloud services, right? With the uh, fluctuations in bills or fluctuations in, you know, how much IO that an application can use, it can be really challenging for a state government. So we've really tried to hone in on some, you know, some models that help them. And then if you look at, you know, the technical side of a public sector customer, they have all sorts of various compliance to deal with, right? Can you imagine, you know, your state state agency and you got to deal with CGIS compliance for your criminal justice records or HIPAA compliance for your, you know, health and human services division. So um, it's a very complex market um, and it's evolving very quickly. You know, you mentioned things like HIPAA and some of these regulations, these entities have to kind of consider. Do you find any resistance in using cloud technologies from some of these organizations or are they adaptive to that ease and flexibility the solutions can provide or is there just you know that little bit of uh, reluctance to move forward with a new technology because of some of the headaches that they think that they're going to encounter cloud is a big word right and uh, i think you know what most customers you know focus in on is the public cloud and if you're talking about the public cloud yes there can be an element of hesitation or an element of not having the necessary skill sets to refactor or migrate their application. 
But what we try to do is we try to educate customers on, you know, the totality of cloud options that they have, because there's certainly a time and a place for public cloud. And there's a time and a place to keep some infrastructure on-prem, but have it operate just as though it would in a public cloud. So you have, you know, control mechanisms in place, orchestrations in place, and things that allow the customers to still hug that critical data that they have concerns with, right? Or, uh, <laughs> um, you know, compliance concerns. So so absolutely, it's um, it's been a huge challenge for public se- sector customers to go all in on a public cloud approach. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not aware of any that have done it successfully at this point. Interesting. <laughs> uh, well, so say an organization, they want to start shifting their services and, and maybe their backend data storage to the cloud. How do they begin that journey the right way? And what are the key things they should consider? This is the toughest one for customers because to do it the right way is to have an appropriate services engagement. And inevitably, it can look expensive, right? But um, it's it's a it's so critical to understand all of your dependencies, right? You may think you can lift and shift an application overnight and migrate it into a cloud workload, whether public or private. But chances are, you have no idea how many different disparate pools those applications are pulling from and the dependencies that exist. So what we recommend is you got to start with a healthy assessment, figure out where your dependencies lie, figure out what applications are no-brainers to lift and shift to a more economical um, way of deploying, whether public or private, and then continuing to evolve your strategy as you go, right? Once you're in a cloud environment, it doesn't mean you can forget about your responsibilities or forget about, you know, fine-tuning, right? You may decide that hey, I pushed this application into a cloud environment and uh, you realize a year into it that that application doesn't do anything over the weekends. Why not work on, you know, power scheduling or something to that nature that gives you those operational savings over the weekend when you don't need those resources dedicated to it? You know, folks often think just because they're in a public cloud environment, if they're not utilizing the resources, they're not getting billed. That's only true if you decommission the resources, right? So you got to embrace some other ancillary tools that help you do that and actually get the cloud economies of scale that you're hoping to achieve. Now, I can imagine a lot of the, uh, say, state and local environments that you work with, they may be used to more of a traditional data center technology. What would be the advantage for them to move to cloud-based technologies? From what I see, it's it's these state agencies that are interested in being the consolidation point for the entire state. So if you look at kind of the historical model, maybe the Department of Motor Vehicles and Department of Health and Human Services, they would all be procuring their own dedicated infrastructure, maybe really expensive database appliances, right, without, you know, dropping any names. And what ends up happening is you have all these silos of kind of stranded IT, a bunch of IT that may be operating at 40% of its available capacity, but yet you're paying for 100% of the hardware you put in there, 100% of the power and cooling, 100% of the software, 100% of the maintenance, the list goes on and on and on. So if these state agencies can have one person, normally it's centralized IT, step up and design the next generation platform and do it in an OpEx fashion, they can attract all of their sub-agencies into their ecosystem, create a best-in-breed you know, data center or public sector and public uh, 
cloud environment for themselves and be able to get those economies of scale, both on-prem and in the public clouds. I mean, it is a huge opportunity for state governments and taxpayers, for that matter, to keep up with technology advancements. I can't tell you how many data centers I've been in you know, where there's technology that's 12, 13, 14 years old, right? Running really important things. That's that's not good, <laughs> right? But when you have so many different sub-agencies buying this stuff, it's hard to keep up. So the consolidation, kind of that OPEX mentality and getting in a program that keeps these public sector customers refreshed on a continual basis is paramount to their success. Obviously, budgets are always a concern, and that's probably why they will keep their processes in place for 12 years because to allocate the funds there just may not be the budget. Uh, so I know that with a lot of your work with the state, local, and education environments, being part of GSA is key, right? Uh, so that's already one entry barrier that makes it easier for these entities to work with you and Vion. That's correct. And so I was wondering if you could share an example of maybe some of the solutions you've been able to provide for some of these institutions. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let me let me give you an example. So and you're absolutely right, right? What state governments have had to do in the past is they've had to forecast what their needs are from a technology perspective four, five, six years down the pike. And then they make a massive procurement, right? And they're banking on by year five actually getting, you know, full utilization of that asset. And then they're hit with, you know, large maintenance costs. And um, it makes it really hard for them to get that next level of funding to get to the next generation infrastructure. So what we've done for several customers is we've taken the whole burden of these large procurements off their plate. We've looked at their current run rate in maintenance. We looked at their current run rate in software cost, hardware cost. And we design a model that allows us to put the right infrastructure in their data center at the right time and bill them for the provisioned resources um, that they're using. We did a large deal recently with the state government helping support their mainframe storage environment, right? That's, you know, mainframe is, is still relevant in state and some commercial governments. Um, but, you know, it's a declining uh, business in a lot of, you know, capacity. So, We'll put the right amount of storage in there. We'll decline their usage over the course of time. We'll increase it if they have a spike. And guess what? They have no commitment to that technology, right? If they ever hit a period in time where they come back to Vion and say, hey, this technology is not meeting our I.O. requirements, no problem. We'll come pick it up and we'll put something in there that's right for them with no contract modifications, right? It's delivering this technology um, as a service. And by the way, that example I'm talking about right there, we were able to come in at a price less than what they were paying in maintenance for equipment that was seven years old. So can you imagine, you know, you're going to your head CIO or your head CFO and telling them, I saved money and I have better infrastructure in place to run our environment. So pretty, pretty compelling. It's almost like a no brainer. Uh, you know, the thing is, is, I think a lot of times, aside from the cost implications, which you're already showing how it's really beneficial, the timing. I think a lot of people say, oh, you know, what, what what would this take to switch these things over? I wonder if you could maybe talk about that in terms of how, you know, easy or difficult can it be for these entities to move their services over to the cloud? It's, it's probably not achievable to just declare an all-cloud strategy and have it done in 12 months. You know, it's it kind of goes back to my previous point of starting with that services engagement. Let's look for the quick wins 
that are cloud ready. And again, that's whether it's public cloud or private cloud and focus on getting a success there, right? And as we kind of learn from that migration cycle and we learn to identify the skills or skill gaps that our state customers have, it'll help us better prepare for that kind of medium level of effort application or further on down the pike, that hard level. And another thing to consider is we're never a proponent of one size fits all. We think there may be a great um, application for public cloud, whether it's you know storing cold data that you hope to never utilize again, or standing up a test and development cluster that you want to be able to collapse on a whim, right, when a project goes away, right? And so we think that that kind of services-led engagement in finding um, a cloud management provider like Vion Corporation that can determine what workload is best in which cloud, public or private, and how do you make your entire environment operate as one is a huge way for these state agencies to make the necessary stepping stones to get to cloud infrastructure. So really a customized, phased approach. It has to be. You know, unless you were born, you know, as a VC-backed firm at a Silicon Valley, and you started (laughs) out with two employees and your first cloud instance is Microsoft 365 on your computer, it's going to be really hard to just, you know, deploy everything overnight in a public cloud model. You You need the stepping stones. You need to do it right. You need to take your time. But there are absolute efficiency gains by starting that project today. Is there anything that, you know, in terms of these cloud technologies, an organization might be surprised to learn? Well, I think, you know, what I find from traveling um, throughout the country is organizations are surprised at how much they can accomplish back in the data centers that they have, especially, you know, state agencies, because they've already invested in these buildings, right? And unless you can make the building go away, make the power go away, find another use for all of your state um, employees. And by the way, most states have initiatives of retaining their top talent, right? They're not looking to manage these folks um, out of the business or out of the, um, the agency. So what we try to do is we try to rebuild their confidence in the skill sets that they have and show them that There's ways to avoid these large CapEx exposures that they're hit with, whether it's on the software or hardware um, side of the business. And we do it by, you know, orchestrating the right technology. So it's kind of refreshing at the end of a conversation where, you know, some of these state agencies thought they had to go all in on, you know, the public cloud of the day. But we help educate them on some operational initiatives, some OPEX initiatives that they can take within their own data center, some orchestration capabilities that can even take the infrastructure they already have in place today, James, and make it feel more like a public cloud. And that's a cool thing, right? You know, you talked about timing earlier. You know, let's say they made a $10 million investment a couple years ago. They don't want to hear Vion coming in there talking about how we need to change out all the infrastructure or how we need to do a large services engagement and migrate them to the public cloud. They want to hear Vion come in there and talk about how they can better take advantage of the capital expenditure they already made in the past. And we do that. That's another one of those stepping stones, right, of figuring out how can we make this feel more like a services-led model. It sounds like you know, you're taking a very consultative approach where you're going in, helping them make the most of the resources they have, and then a phased approach as to what makes sense to move things 
into the cloud environment. Yep, and it's just all about getting that first win, right, and showing them the uh, economical and operational benefits of, of cloud technology. Last question. Where do you see cloud-based technology and solutions going next? Yeah, that's a loaded question, um, James. It's uh, You don't have the crystal ball? <laughs> you know, I know, I know where it is for the next 18 or so months, and I'll give you my insight there. If you look at the cloud market, and we're talking about the public cloud market today, there, there's some major players out there. You got AWS, Azure, Google, Oracle, IBM, all great uh, technologies and all have their place in the market, you know, depending on the application or the workload. But what's evolved even quicker beyond that are these multitude of software products that help you further take advantage of uh, these cloud technologies, further help you uh, broker your application scheduling so you get the uh, the cloud economics that you're looking for. Help um, your DR strategies tearing off into the public cloud and really just utilizing the public cloud for that you know critical event that may happen. So it's it's pretty amazing to see and and it's funny a lot of the legacy infrastructure you know the 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 big iron companies of the world they've had to embrace you know public cloud as well because their customers are asking for it so you're seeing very cloud like technologies residing back in the data center and tearing off almost seamlessly um, to the public cloud so that's really interesting to see if there's one thing that kind of keeps me up at night <laughs> as it relates to the public cloud and the adoption is, is awesome right i mean it, it really is and uh you know, there's tons of opportunity for organizations to help state agencies, even that are embracing a public cloud strategy. I wonder what happens when so much of the market is all in on public cloud and then the public cloud, you know, public cloud companies decide, hey, you know, do we need to change our model, right? Once you get to the point where all the data centers are filled, right? Let's not forget that the public cloud is still a data center. There's still servers in there, right? It's just not your co-location facility or your server. What happens when all of a sudden that growth in these data center builds, you know, the demand is met, right? And now you got these big players out there um, figuring out how are they going to extract more revenue from their customers? Does the model change, right? Once customers have all adopted a public cloud model. That I don't know. That's something that um, I try to make sure we engineer into our solutions today. At the end of the day, there's there's underlying real technology in the public cloud. So helping our customers hedge their bets um, is where we're going to be putting our eggs. That sounds uh, like people need to be talking to you. <laughs> They've got some uh, challenges out there. They definitely want to hook up with uh, you, Justin, and uh, Vion. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're passionate about our customers. We operate a customer intimate model. I've been in business for, for 40 years, um, so we try to do the right thing. Well, Justin, I want to thank you for taking the time today to provide us with your insights on cloud solutions. It was a pleasure having you on the podcast. Yeah, much appreciated, James. I really enjoyed my time. All right, and thank you for checking out this podcast. For more podcasts like this one, go to marketscale.com and visit our technology-specific vertical and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes or Spotify. I've been your host, James Kent. Thanks for listening.